a perfectly outlined sermon, and I love it that way because that just means the Holy Spirit's going to be the one in charge today. Isn't that the way we want it anyway? We, uh, we're living in a messed up world right now. I, you know, I, uh, I follow different things online, we follow the new, I follow the news and different organizations, and every day there is more garbage coming out. You know, we talk about, we've been talking about the end times, we've been talking about prophecy, Pastor Jim has been sharing that. How many in this place believe that you may see Christ's return before you die? Yeah. Do we truly believe that? Because if we do, it should change how we function. And I've been joking saying that, you know, we have the scripture that says, you know, when these things happen, look up. I think some people are standing there going, I'm waiting. Oh, I can't do anything else. We can kind of get locked up in that. We can kind of get locked up in what's going on in the world and distressed by that. And Pastor Jim has talked about that. There's been a few of you we've probably told you, stop watching the news because it's freaking you out. You need to not, the fear is not from the Lord. Amen. So, what a perfect book that he went through when he took us through the book of, of Philippians. I'm going to be finishing the last half of chapter 4 today. Um, he left me such a small spot, but I, we'll see what God has there. But what is this entire story? What is this entire letter? Now, first of all, we know this is one of Paul's prison epistles. He was sitting either in jail or under house arrest um, uh, in Rome. Uh, and uh, he was writing this uh, to the church of Philippi, which had grown exceptionally, probably uh, in the last 10, 12 years, had really grown into an established church, an established work by the verbiage that we see there. And he was writing this letter because uh, so some of the letters he wrote, he rebuked. He had some corrections, some directions, some, some guidance. You guys need to fix this. You need to fix that. And he did mention a couple little things in here specifically to people. But it was more of just an encouragement. In fact, if you kind of boil this down to the whole feel of it, and this is just my words here, but it, it, is, it is to be first imitators of Christ. And when we do that, when we are imitators of Christ, we find true joy. True joy and peace. So my question to you before we get started today is, are you, do you, right now, are you experiencing God's true joy and true peace regardless of what's going on in your life? Regardless. Because, because Paul, we read in the first chapter, he was in prison. <laughs> and he's saying, I count that this is great. I mean, I, I can almost see him, that's you know, not his words, that was a paraphrase. But I could just see him saying, this is awesome. Because look, I'm in jail, but, but look what all this is, is, is stirring up. It's causing this to be talked about and, and people to be sharing their faith and for people to draw closer. So man, I'm good with it. I could just stay here in jail. I'm happy with that. So if Paul can praise the Lord while he is imprisoned and through everything that Paul has gone through, then can, we can too. And I think it's crucial that we find God's peace for us to be able to do what it is we are called to do. Now, I used to remember Pastor Jim preached a while back, and he did, and I'll do this, where he did this. He said, our, our, our two things that we have to do is one, what? Love God. And then love others, right? Love God, love others. But then we have before us the Great Commission, which tells us that we need to go and make disciples. We have that little sign 
And some of you have not, I'm surprised a couple, some of you have not seen that sign, but as you leave our, um, our parking lot, do you know what that little white sign, what's that little white sign say out there? You're not entering the mission field. I truly believe that's why we're here. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are here with a message to be able to share with this screwed up world that's getting worse and worse every day. People are looking for hope in so many different things right now. And they're not going to find it. There will be no peace and true lasting joy in what they find in this world. It must be found in Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him this morning, you don't have true joy and you do not have true peace. You might be happy right now, but happiness is dependent upon if I slept right and my neck doesn't hurt, you know, if the dog didn't poop on the floor in the middle of the night or the cat, a hairball. I used to have a cat. Did you ever get that where you walk through the house in the middle of the night and like, oh, hairball. Sorry. But it's those things, if they don't happen, then I'm happy. But my joy, the joy comes from the Lord. And if you don't know him, then you don't have it. So why is it so crucial for us to read through this letter and read what, how he's encouraging these believers in Philippi to, be, to find joy, to find peace, to find contentment because it is important to be in that place because I believe what Satan wants to do in the last days is to get us where we're not finding God's joy, where we are not content, we are searching after things of the world to get us just a little off track. He doesn't need to make us drop off into deep, dark sin. He just has to get our focus off a little bit, just distract us a little bit. And what Paul paints the picture throughout this letter is that we, we draw close to him, as close as we possibly can walk to him. And in that, we will find joy, we will find direction, guidance, we will find peace Amen? So, we're going to read the last half of chapter 4, but I like to start out with context. Let's back up. Now, the chapter and verse divisions were not there before, but let's back up to what we talked about last week. I might have a thing or two to say, and I want to say, I, I've got a new translation. I, don't, I should do a little survey here and see what people use, but I won't do that. Um, but I don't know what your translation, we use the NIV here. Pastor Jim usually teaches from the NIV. Um, but I like the NLT. How many people have an NLT? Amen. A few, few. I love the NLT. Uh, it falls very closely to the NIV. I just love the wording of it. What, uh, this is, Pastor Jim wrote a, a, a paper on the translations of the Bible, which one you should choose, and give some background to each one of it. But at the end of it, he says this. What's the best translation? The one you're going to read. So find one that you will read and understand and use that one. Now, there's some weird stuff out on the market you got to be careful of. But if you have any questions about that, uh, you know, and, and even just to, to go to the Bible bookstore and throw out, a, throw out an NIV, throw out a couple others and look at them, compare and look. And so I use the NLT, NLT so that's what I'm going to teach from today. So if you're using something different, it may sound just a little bit different, but that's okay. Let's jump in at chapter 4, verse 1, kind of back up what, over what Pastor Jim taught last week. It says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Seeing a church that is doing what it's supposed to do, when he's taught them these things, when he's instructed them in God's word, to see them, there's no greater joy for a pastor, a leader, a preacher, a teacher to see them actually doing it. And that's what he was seeing in these people. 
Now I appeal to Yodia and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help those two women, uh, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are written. But I know Pastor Jim covered that, but you know what, can I tell you? When we do, uh, when we do communion, uh, I'm, I'm reminded of this kind of a situation. It's been great over the years when we do communion. We give opportunity to make things right. And every once in a while, the Lord just tells us to kind of make an opportunity. And I have seen people in our fellowship during, before communion is even taken, get, get up and walk to another side. I saw somebody once come from the, 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 from the congregation up on the platform to, to apologize to a brother or sister, to make it right so that they could move forward in, with the right heart before they took communion. So if there's things going on in your life, if there are issues, especially if it's within the church, let's do what we need to do to make those things right. And that's what he's saying here. But then the next thing is what he says many times throughout this letter. And it says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. How hard is that for you to rejoice in the Lord in the most difficult times? This is something Kelly and I talk about, and we've, we've over the years we've kind of we've grown in that area. I'm not bragging, we because I know that there's still things sometimes that I, I've shared from the pulpit here before. I'm the I, I'm the you know the guy that I went early on in my walk was like things are not going good. I've got a you know the car's breaking down. We don't have any money. When we moved, we lived in uh, Indiana. Uh, you can say I'm sorry. We lived in Indiana, um, and uh, lived in and went to a little church. I pastored at that church as an assistant pastor. I think, was it $20 a week or $20 a month? $25 a week. I'm glad she's back there. She helps me. $25 a week, that's all they could pay me to assist and, and work in the church. So I worked a job outside of that church, and things were tight, really tight, really tight. We lived in a little farmhouse in the middle, out in the middle of this field, and, and it was a, an oil-burning furnace. If you've ever had anything to deal with oil-burning furnaces, it consumed dollars like crazy. It burned so hot, but it just ate up money, and it was, a, it was not an easy time in our life, but to come to a place where I could say, I can rejoice in this situation, and I can trust God, took some time, and took some prayer, so if you're not there, it's okay, but to be working and praying and ask God, you know, there's that reaction at first, you know, the car would start to act up, the transmit, I don't remember, I remember there was something that happened, one of our car, our car. It was the only car we had, and I'm like freaking out, I don't know what I'm going to do, I'm going to have to sell blood, a kidney maybe, I don't know, one of the children, they're good kids, but maybe one of them can go, you know, trying to figure it out and stress about it and worry about it until I came back to the foot of the cross and found the peace and the focus and the looking back and seeing that God never left me, he never never forsook me. He never walked away from me. And if he did it before, he can do it again. And then I would come to that place to say, I trust God. God, you've got this. And he's done it so many different times. So many times in our life when we just thought, I don't know how we're going to accomplish this. I remember there was one time, because we, like I said, this time when we were in Indiana, things were just tight. We went to a church that wasn't a huge church, and my, my pastor was my brother-in-law, um, and we served there. It was a little Nazarene church. And uh, things were just really tight. I remember there's many times that Kelly would tell you she could step to the, the cupboards and she would look and say, well, this is what I have. What can I make out of all of this? I don't have much, a can of this, a can of that. There were times when it was like that. And I know you look at me right now and say, well, you didn't starve. I didn't starve. I made it, did pretty well. 
But there were times when it was really, really difficult. And I remember there was times it was really, really time. It was a stretch. It was really, really difficult and trying to figure it out. We all do that, right? You go, okay, God, if you could just have a check come in the mail like this next week, that would be really awesome. You know, like some forgotten tax return or something. But to just to come to a place to walk like Paul did and walk in peace and say, God, you got this. I don't know what's going to happen. It was during one of those times, one of those stretches that we got a call um, from a church uh, in the area. In the, in the Nazarene denomination, you kind of function together as a district. Little churches will, will resource each other. And they got a hold of us. They were having, one of these churches was having a, uh, I don't even remember what it was, some kind of a gathering where they were honoring the people, the servants in there. And they wanted uh, my brother-in-law to, uh, to preach a little sermon on a particular topic. And they wanted me to sing. I, I, I do sing in, in the Nazarene church. There's special music where people will come up and share a song. And so I don't even remember what the song was that they did. And that's what we went with the intent to do is we're just going to come bless this church. And at the end of it, I will, hopefully I won't cry here, but they, the, they came up, they just thanked us at the end of us. They gave us both a card, and the doors opened at the back of the sanctuary, and just person after person filed through the door, carrying the, all the groceries that they could carry. And they filled the whole front of the church with grocery bags, just for us. In the envelope, there was some cash to help out with whatever the groceries didn't cover. There were so many groceries. It was just my brother-in-law and I in his car, big four-door. We packed it so full, we barely got everything inside of there. There was that many groceries there. And I go, wow. Wow. I can walk in peace and I can trust him because I know he's done it before. He can do it again. Maybe not that dramatic, but he can do it again. And that's the peace that I walk in. But to be able to rejoice in those times, and it's hard because we focus more on happiness, what's going on right now, and instead of keeping our focus in what this whole letter has been about is drawing close to him. He's the same God today as he was yesterday, and if he took care of us yesterday, he will take care of us today, and he will take care of us tomorrow. And we need to keep our focus on him so that we can have our focus right to do what we're called to do. Because church, it's time for the church to get it right so that we can be busy about God's work because there's a lost and dying world out there that needs to hear from us. And I believe that Satan's here to rob us of joy. He wants us to be useless in these last days. And there are some people out there, please forgive me, if there's some people, the Christians, that are useless right now. They're not doing anything. They're locked up in fear or, or worried about something, or off distracted, and they're not walking in their gifts, their talents, and their love for the Lord, and their love for one another. It goes on in verse 5, let everyone see that, you, uh, that you're considerate to all you, uh, in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Now, if we believe that, and you all said that, pretty much every hand went up, then it needs to drive what we're doing. It needs to be, it needs to have stepped up. It's not about, you know, it's not about trying to think about if the, the end is near, what, what can we do to get ahead at work over here or this or that. We really need to be dialed into what the Lord wants to use us for. And everything we do, it says here, and let everyone uh, see that you are considerate and all you do. We are a walking witness. And, I mean, how many of you, when you're watching TV, any of these reality shows, I'm not a big TV watcher, but anytime on those reality shows that someone comes forward right at the beginning and says, well, I'm a Christian. I'm always like, oh, no. 
what are they going to do on the show that's just going to blow that witness out the door? Now, they're just as human as I am, but we've kind of screwed up our witness over time, haven't we? Let's be honest. Think about this last month that you have lived. Is there any time that you have acted and reacted in a way that did not represent Christ to someone out there in the world? Anytime you were rude at Walmart or, or I, I don't know. There's so many things we could think of and I could come up with that. But has there been ever a time when your witness was not, well, you blew it? Praise God for his forgiveness. Amen? But calling ourselves Christians and not acting like it is not a good thing. And the end is near. So if Christ, Christ is coming again, we have got to take this serious. We've got to be about what the Lord that's important that we know the prophecy. It is important because that's something that we have to be able to use as a tool when we talk to those who are in the world and be able to share that. This is very important. But the average person that we're going to meet on the street who's not walking in joy or walking in sadness or whatever has a situation going on in life doesn't really care about what's going to happen in Israel or somewhere else. They're just very self-focused. They just want hope. And we carry that hope if we walk in the joy that the Lord has before us. And also, I'm sorry, I know Pastor Jim spent a lot on the time on this, so I don't mean to go there. Uh, start verse 6, pick that up. Don't worry about anything. There you go. Instead, praying about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. This is the whole point of this letter, to find God's peace. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about these things. Uh, think about things that are excellent and worthy and praise. But that's something we really need to take our thoughts captive. This is some discussion that uh, my daughter and I have had a lot. We talk a lot. My daughter Olivia, you know, we, we are on Marco Polo and we go back and forth. Olivia and I used to take walks at night uh, we live near downtown, and we would walk this little four-mile stretch, and we'd say, we can fix any problem in the world. Just let us walk this, and we'll talk to the Lord, talk to each other, and we can figure it out. We can fix it. The problem is, is we, we want to put our focus on a lot of these things that are going on in the world and a lot, instead of on the Lord. We're going to let these things drag us down to fix our thoughts on those things, to take every thought, negative thought, captive. Satan wants us to not have hope. We know our hope. Verse 9, keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, received from me everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then God, the God of peace will be with you. Hmm. So this is peace, this joy is available to all who believe in Jesus Christ. It's available to you. And I know before I go on, that I know some of you are going through some very, very difficult things. I, I do most of the counseling here at the church. I love to do counseling. It's, it's a gift that I have, and it's a blessing to me to be able to do it. But there are, I, I have people come in who are going through some of the most, the hardest things ever in their life right now. But I've also seen some of those people who have had the most difficult things put on their plate Walk out of my office, not because of me, but walk out with, a, with joy on their face and their heart. Knowing I don't know why this is going on, but maybe God can use it. Maybe God can bless somebody else through this. You see, your difficult times 
and the struggles that maybe you had even early on before you walked with him can be used by God in such amazing ways. We see that in Paul. He says, I'm, I'm in jail. I'm in, I'm, I'm in prison. Praise the Lord, I'm in prison. This is awesome. Look what it's doing. To be able to have that focus, some of us will be sitting there going, oh, woe is me. But not Paul. So we're given an opportunity when Paul talks about imitate me, when he says that to the people, imitate me. But it's because Paul is imitating Christ. He is imitating, he's walking in that way. So when we're called to focus on a man, and I want to be, you to be careful about that because I see a lot of folks out there today who want to glam on to just specific religious leaders and stuff. And we love our pastor, but it is not for him that you are to live. It's not for me. It's not for any man we have an opportunity to be somebody to show us as an example, but not for that man. It's not about Paul. He's pointed, to the, he's pointed the finger up to the heavens so many different times in this letter and many others that it's about him. Yes, I'm going to walk this way. I'm going to live my life in, in such a way that, that, that I'm an example to you so that I can encourage you and build you up. And I, I, do you, when you get to heaven, have you thought about anybody that you want to go look up, you want to find? Paul's... I'd love to go see Paul, but I think that, that crowd's going to be a big one. I don't think I'm going to be able to get near Paul. Um, I, I, but, but that would be an awesome thing to be able to be in his presence, just to see how he's lived his life. But he's just a man. So don't put your hopes on a man, some teacher, some preacher, some man-made theology. Don't do that. This is the word of God. It will not fail you. Do not follow man. But it does, he says it's going to, for us to receive this blessing, this peace, it takes action on our part. We are going to have to be active about it. You heard our pastor, he says it, not even in this, but everywhere we talk, we're in scripture, is to, are you regularly in God's word? Key number one, are you regularly in God's word? If you are not, I want to encourage you to say that has to change today. I'm going to go home, I'm going to pull out my Bible if you don't have it with you, if you don't have one, we will give you one and get into God's word and try to understand it. We also have great men and women around here who would love to come alongside you, encourage you and build you up in the faith and to be able to help you as you study God's word. That's why we have the home fellowships, to get into God's word, to understand it. But that is key. And then the other one is to be in prayer. Why in prayer? Because that is a conversation with God. That is us talking to the one who formed everything, who even made that Bible come into existence. It is the, the leading of the Holy Spirit in the midst of that. Those two things must be present in your life as a believer if they're not. Now, I, I think it is also beneficial that you be in service, that you gather somewhere with people. Because it's easy to not walk in peace, but when you have another brother go, oh man, I just went through that same thing. Or, you know, we share our stories and you get to hear what others have gone through. It is beneficial. And God's word tells us to be in fellowship with other believers. It also tells us in the last days that's going to stop happening. Look around at the empty seats. It's stopping happening already, so that may tell us something. Pandemics played a lot into that role as well, but now we'll pick up where Pastor Jim left off, and that is verse 10. It says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. This refers to basically the, the purpose behind this entire letter 
to the Philippians because they had sent a financial gift um, through Epaphroditus. And, and so he was sitting down to basically thank them for what they had done and in the midst of that also give them some encouragement and some blessing in the process of that. Um, and, they, uh, and there was a time when they weren't able to help him, uh, but then when they were able to help again, they jumped right back in there. Verse 11, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Are you content with where you are right now? Are you content? I'm not saying that God isn't asking you to do more. Are you content with where God has you right now? Are you mumbling and you groaning? First thing I ask you is go back to what I've already said a couple times. Are you walking with the Lord? Are you seeking for direction and guidance? Because if you are, then where you are at, if you've been obedient, is exactly where God wants you to be. Whatever that means, whatever that is. You know, sometimes I look back when things we didn't have nearly as much, and some of those simpler times, were they were easier. There's more to take care of now. Are you content? That's kind of the whole message that he has here is, are you content? Are you living in contentment with what you have today? And Paul's basically saying, I'm, I'm nobody. I'm just Paul. He never, never claimed to be something amazing. But he learned to be content and learned it's a learning experience. All of this is a learning experience. But it's not natural. It's not natural for us to be content then or now. And Paul had been places where he'd been financially well off, and he's been places where he didn't know where his next meal was coming, but he always referred back to knowing that God was in control and he will not leave us nor forsake us. I want to encourage you to do that. When you find yourself in a place where you're starting to doubt God. Everybody always says, don't look back. You should never look back, always look forward. I disagree. I disagree with that. Here's why. I don't look back and go, oh man, back then when I was younger, skinnier, a lot, party animal. You know, I don't look back on those days and wish for the days that, that I didn't have him, but I like to look back at how many times he has taken care of me. I mean, there's things, can you, do you ever just kind of sit there and think back across your life and come across times that you go, oh my gosh, that was God at work. I didn't realize that. The other day I was thinking about this. I was a teenager, uh, a, very, a young teenager, um, and I was hanging out with a bunch of buddies that were all, we were all in Boy Scouts together. We decided to go to a swimming hole on the outside of a little town called Grimes, Iowa. I don't know if you've heard of that before. Do we have, did you ever have Mrs. Grimes foods here? Did you ever hear that? Yeah. Oh, she smiled. So that was, that, was where the, that was where it was from. It was this little town. It's where I grew up. And we were out at the swimming hole. It was right below a train track. And uh, everybody was swimming. I am not a swimmer. <laughs> but, you know, you're hanging out with a bunch of buddies. You got to, you know, you got to come to the table, right? So, you know, they're cannonballing off of it and into this swimming this pool. I cannonball off too. But I can't swim. So I almost drowned. I mean, literally, it's one of those times when I can remember now where I was going under, and, you know, you say your life flashes before your eyes. It was. Literally, I was like, I'm dying right here. This is going down. I'm dying. Fortunately, one of them jumped in right after me, pulled me off to the side, and I was able to catch my breath and be okay. And then I decided to cross the pool again and almost drowned a second time. So 
Uh, I didn't say I was smart. I just remember that. But I, I look back on this day and I go, God had his hand on me in there. He kept me alive. So many other times that I could share, and I have shared up here in my testimony, where I should have died, but God said, no, I have a better purpose for you. I'm going to watch over. I'm going to take care of it. And then there's times when I was walking with the Lord, since I've been walking with the Lord, that I can, we look back now, we talk about as husband and wife, um, and, and we talk more now, by the way. We're empty nesters. How many empty nesters in the house here? Yeah, we love it. Oh, it's great. Now, my grandson's another story. I do have a grandson. I haven't mentioned him in my sermon, and I didn't write him in, but I should. His name is Bentley, and we miss him deathly. We, we, if they can just ship him here. My daughter says, oh, so I don't count anymore. <laughs> but we spend a lot more time talking, and we get to, and I encourage you to do that. Have a, you know, if you're an empty, that gives you an opportunity to, to talk to your spouse and to, to dream and to think about things and talk about, but we, there's so many times we can talk about what God has done before. In situations that looked bleak, that God came through, he had an answer, he blessed us, he's blessed us so many times. So Paul's learned it, so if Paul can learn to be content, and that could probably be what we could just say this intent of this last part of this chapter 4 is about, is about being content with where you're at. He's told us about peace. He's told us about that you can find joy and happiness no matter what situation you are. He's told you how to find that by focusing in on the Lord. Now, it's easy because if I'm walking in peace and joy, I'm putting my focus only on the things that build me up. And that's what's important about as we come to church here. You know what? We need to be encouraging each one another and building one another up. Um, that's, that's what should be what the fellowship is about, is to come together and encourage one another. But if you can do all of that, then you can come to then finding content to say, okay, God, I'm good. I'm happy where you're at. You've got me. Paul had to learn how to do that, and that's what you can do as well. Verse 13, for I, and how? Here it is. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. The strength does not come from us. In my flesh, I'm garbage. I got nothing to offer you. In my flesh, I am nothing. Pastor, teacher, whatever, I am nothing. Only by the strength of God. I can tell you that because uh, if, any, if I've said anything today that's from the Lord, that's from the Lord. I can tell you, Kelly and I have been talking, and, and, and over the last few days, some of you who follow us on social media know we've got this backyard farm and we're adding stuff to it. I have been in such a fog for the last couple weeks. I don't know why. I've been asking the Lord about it. Why? Am I in this fog where just things just aren't clicking? I love to build. It's taken me ever for, to build something. I'd love to do that. I'd love to get the wood and the saw out and do all of that. But I have just been in a fog. And the Lord started speaking to me yesterday morning about why I was in a fog, what I needed to do, what I needed to change. And I made the step to say, I'll be obedient to that, Lord. I don't want to be in a fog. And so, praise the Lord. He's brought me out of that fog. But it's only through the power of Christ that I can do anything. I can do cool things in my humanness. But for the kingdom, I got nothing. Regardless of what lies before you or me, I can handle anything as Christ gives me the strength to do so. As I said before, I've seen it before, I can do it again. Whether I have much or little, God will not fail me. I can do anything but only through him. John 15, 5 says, uh, Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them. Now, that's not just getting saved and never doing anything. 
sorry, that's not remaining in the Lord. I'm not, we're going to talk about salvation here. I don't, the, the, the term once saved, always saved is not in Scripture. It's not there. We see apostates and different things. So there seems that there is an opportunity for me to get saved, truly mean it, and give my life to the Lord and then do nothing and not remain in him and not remain in his word and ro- not remain focused on him. Because to remain means I have to have been there at one time. So if I can't, if, it's not, if I don't remain, that means I've, I've walked away from it. Will produce, But if I remain, uh, if those who remain in me and I and them will produce much fruit apart from me, you can do nothing. Christ is our everything. Uh, nothing comes from me. Nothing of value, that is. It's an encouragement to walk as close as we can with the Lord, to remain connected. I say this in counseling often. I, you've said it before. You know, I know that there's things that we repeat. Pastors do that all the time. Because you get up here and you're like, I think I've said that before. I don't know. But I, I've, I've probably told you this. But I, I do counseling. That's one of my main things here at the church. And if you've counseled with me, you've heard me say this, that God is never caught off guard. God is never caught off. We find ourselves in a situation that to us looks really bad, really dark, really difficult. But God didn't like go, oh, my gosh, how'd that happen? You know, he does, he know how we knew how we got there, and he knows the way out. He was not surprised. In fact, I give this challenge just about to everybody I counsel with that I will pay you a thousand dollars. Oh, here it goes. If you can find in scripture where God said anything like he was surprised at something that had happened, because it doesn't exist. He's not caught off guard. So if he knew how I got into it then he knows how I can get out of it. He knows what I need to do next. I've got to remain as closely connected with him. The problem is usually in the midst of a situation we get disconnected. I counsel a lot of marriages, and marriages get in a very difficult spot because we've stopped looking at God. We've started looking at our spouse and getting upset, and things just start to get haywire, and there's no God in the mix of it. And then they come to my office because we just don't know if we can continue to do this. Well, we've got to get the priorities straight again. I've shared this with you before probably too, but you know there is a priority list in marriage. And it is not that the whatever the wife says goes. That's not it. Sorry, ladies. There is a priority list. If you want the best possible marriage life, kids, this is how it goes. The very first, most important relationship in your life is with Christ and Christ alone, with God, in your relationship with him. Your wife, your husband comes second. Do not put them first. That happens sometimes. And then the balance is off. Because then the man or the wife, they're the ones making the directive call. That not God. Well, we'll, fill, we'll drop God in there somewhere. He'll, you know, he'll come in there somewhere. But the first most important relationship in a marriage relationship is your relationship with Jesus Christ, both of you. If you do that, first of all, I can tell you, the rest gets really easy. There are difficulties, there are challenges, but if you are walking as close as you possibly can to the Lord, the rest gets easy. The second most important relationship is the spouse. You may have kids, that's fine. They have their place. It is husband and wife. You came together as one flesh. God put you together. That is the most important. If you cannot walk before the Lord in a good way, then you cannot be a good spouse. And if you cannot be a good husband and wife together, then what you show in your kids? And then the kids... And then everybody else after that. So if you've got that mixed up, fix it. 
Fix it by telling, you know what, in the mornings, you know, honey, we usually do that. Find your time when you can spend your time with the Lord in God's word. Find that time. Don't tell me, I, well, I don't have enough time. I'm, we're so busy. Have you met my wife, by the way, when we talk about busy? We talk about busy and, and the things that go on in our life. And, and if you talk to my wife and she, she shares with you the many things that we have that go on in our life, there's been people that say, how do you accomplish all that? One of the teenagers that she had over the other day said, you have a lot of lives. What is it? A lot of lives is a what? A lot of things to keep alive. And I'm one of them, I guess, too. So We have ducks, chickens, bees, all these different things we have in place. And so she has all of those on her lap. But can I tell you what she is before any of that? She's a woman of God, and I'm not just saying that because she's my wife, but she spends time first before the Lord, before any of those other things. So busy doesn't fly with me. Go, go a little bit early to work and sit in your car. Wait till husband leaves, or you have, do find your time to go spend some time. Even if you have to sneak away into the stall of the bathroom at wherever you work and take your Bible with you, you laugh. I was a manager at Home Depot. Those guys could spend so much time in the bathroom back in there. I hope they were in the Word. I don't think all of them were. But anyway, find your time to do that. Find a time that is the most important thing you can do. Okay. Verse 14, even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, the, Philipp uh, the Philippians were the only ones uh, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first uh, brought you the good news, then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift, another gift from you. I want, rather, I want you to receive the reward for your kindness. At the moment, at, at the moment, I have all that I need, praise the Lord, and more. I am generously supplied with gifts that you sent with me uh, with Epaphroditus. They are sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. The Philippians were the only ones that really stepped up to help Paul during his time. And honestly, uh, I saw Charles Spurgeon said basically that this, this amount of money was not very much. In Roman dollars, it wasn't a lot. It wasn't the amount of the money. It was a gift given from the heart. It was a gift given from the heart. It's never about the amount of money. When we take a tithe or an offering, it's about a being obedient to what God has told you to do. He knows the need. He will take care of it. That's why when we take offerings here or anything like that, we don't say, we don't have a thermometer on the wall. I used to go to church that had a thermometer on the wall when they were raising money for something. We don't have that. We don't hound you about it. We just do it. But be obedient to the Lord in all things, in anything. If God's telling you to support something, do it. The blessing that you will receive in return will probably not be financial, but the blessing is more than you can. The people in Philippi were incredibly blessed by what they did because they were supporting someone doing the work of the ministry. So be obedient to the Lord. And the amount is not the issue. It's the obedience to what God tells you to give. And because he wanted to bring it up, he wasn't asking for more money. He just wanted to make sure they received their reward. And they will. Before the Lord in heaven or here on earth, they will be blessed by what's going on. i got to believe that the, the blessing is when they got this letter back. When Epaphroditus, who came, he almost died while he was there with Paul. And so I imagine that coming, him walking back into the town with this letter from Paul. Can you imagine the excitement and the blessings that they felt of sharing what, what, in what God was doing with him? Like, I can only imagine what that was like. 
Verse 19, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living and godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him and the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous grace, glory, and excellence. He's given us everything that we need. Hmm. What a good God. I'm going to close this up, but I want to. I stole something from Pastor Jim's notes. Don't tell him. He's probably watching me, so. Oswald Chambers in his devotional, My Utmost for His Highest. Have you, ever, have, you, have you ever gone through that? That's a gospel study. He says this, The secret of power and contentment is found in Jesus in our personal daily walk with him. Jesus said, Come unto me, all, who, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven thirty three. Our Lord's words are not, Do this, or do, uh, don't do that, but... Come unto me. If I will simply come to Jesus, my real life will be brought into harmony with my real desires. I will actually cease, or I don't know if I would say cease sin. I would love it if I could draw so close to the Lord. I guess if I walk with Him that close, that sin could just be hardly ever, ever seen in my life. And you will find the song of the Lord being beginning in my life. So my question to you kind of mirrors what I said when I first started this do you have God's peace and contentment in your life right now? Don't just say it because you think that you're supposed to. Because if you don't, first I want to ask you, are you saved? Band, you guys can come on up, pups, whenever you want to come up. Are you saved? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? I met a brother a week or so ago who told me that he was saved, but the fruit that came from his mouth told me he was not. So don't just give it lip service. It should show in you. It it should show in your fruit. If you tell me you're saved, but I see something that none of that matches that, then then you're not saved. So be honest with yourself because it's it's not like you're trying to put up front here, like I'm going to make you stand up if you're not saved because I'm not going to do that. But if you're not saved, then you first must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, period. You must have that. And if you have that relationship, He's walking, and he wants to be right by your side, linked arm in arm, wherever you go, whatever you're doing. Are you walking that close to him? Because if you're not, that needs to be fixed, and only you can fix that. If you're in sin, confess the sin. I know that when my God saved me, he saved me from how much sin? So all of my past sin, all of my present sin, all of my future sin. So the forgiveness has already been given. I just have to accept it. Find the forgiveness, accept that. Let's draw close. Because, guys, I'm going to say it, and it's been on my heart as we've been talking about all that's going on in the world and, and uh, the, the things that we see coming in, potential prophecy being fulfilled. Okay, I get it. He's coming. He is coming. They said it then. <laughs> Paul kept saying it then. Way back when we, you know, Jesus leaves them, okay, well, he's returning soon. They thought it was going to be any day. We see it playing closer and closer all the time. So if that's the case, should, we need to be doing what God has instructed us to do. And that starts here with what Paul shared with us. Amen? Father God, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you for the experiences of the men and the women who have come before us, that, who model for us how we should live. And I know that there are many in this room today that are probably saying, I, I wish I could have that. And I pray that that's not what they're, they're I pray that's, that, that goes out of their mouth this morning. And it's not that I wish that I have this, could have this, but I want to have this. I'm going to, to learn how to have this. Help us, Father, and use us to further your kingdom till the day that you decide you want to come and back and take us.